June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the news and lifestyle website dedicated to stories for our military vets. Now today we're going to talk about the programs designed to help vets start their own businesses or even scale their existing ones with guaranteed loans. And we'll also hear how veteran business owners can grow their sales by getting certified and thus becoming eligible for government contracts all over the country. Now our guest is the 27th Administrator of the U.S. Small Business Administration, Isabella Guzman. Administrator Guzman has made supporting small businesses her life's work and from a very young age, Working beside her father in his chain of veterinarian hospitals in Southern California, she gained a deep appreciation for how small business owners define main streets and really are the backbone to the U.S. economy. So with that, let's say hello to Administrator Isabella Guzman from the United States Small Business Administration. Welcome to CBS Eye on Vets. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, as a veteran and a small business owner myself, I know how helpful the SBA can be. Uh, before we get into the latest news about how to qualify for government contracts by becoming a certified veteran-owned business, let's just start at the beginning. Share with me a little bit about how the SBA is ready to help vets start their own businesses. Well, 70 years ago, actually this year, we're celebrating our 70th birthday, uh, the SBA was started because we know entrepreneurship helps lead to more competition and innovation and really, truly the small businesses give us all the products and services that we come to love. And so, uh, you know, SBA is really just about trying to help more entrepreneurs be successful in their endeavors. We deliver on the American dream of business ownership. 
And for our veterans in particular, we've developed some incredible programs over the years to truly help veterans in transition, uh, learn about entrepreneurship as a, as a possible exit path uh, from serving in the military, as well as their spouses. Uh, and then in addition, on an ongoing basis, we just provide support for veterans because they're very highly entrepreneurial. In fact, come with that sort of grit and determination that, you know, every entrepreneur needs to try to figure out a solution uh, at whatever cost. And so that's uh, that's the gist of what the SBA does. But we're very excited to be serving veterans in particular and, and military families in general. The SBA is not, in fact, a lender. I don't go to you, fill out an application, and the next thing you know, I have $28,000. I go to the SBA as part of a process to to kind of show that my business is viable. But the process can begin before my business has even been started, or it can begin once it has started, uh, you know, with help showing how to scale. Kind of tell me the timeline or sort of the, like the stops along the road I would make our local district offices. And so SBA uh, really relies on these public-private partnerships in order to help deliver entrepreneurial training, capital, uh, as well as connections to revenue growth opportunities. And so uh, you you start with our advisors. We have a network of over 1,600 advisors around the country, or or centers rather, around the country, small business development centers, women's business centers, veterans business outreach centers specifically, uh, as well as for mentor partners and community navigators. All these different programs have specific nuances but they all provide advice, free advice uh, to help small businesses figure out how to you know, run your books, how to do a marketing campaign, how to get online and sell digitally and just everything that you can think of that would go into strategically planning out your business. Uh, and so that's where you start at SBA.gov uh, and you get local assistance uh, through our district offices and these great centers around the communities. And then they can help you get capital ready. Uh, First off, you mentioned capital we're known for, our SBA loans, of course. And so we provide working capital, you know, loans to acquire building equipment, et cetera, just to get your business going. And so uh, our capital, we guarantee through the federal government to de-risk, in essence, capital, make sure all small businesses can access the capital. And the Biden administration is focused specifically on this point in trying to make sure that while we create these great revenue growth opportunities, you know, through the bipartisan infrastructure law, building infrastructure and creating those contracts or the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, we want to make sure that small businesses have the capital they need to deliver uh, against those contracts. And so uh, that's a big part of what we do at the SBA. Um, and then, of course, contracting, which I know we're going to dive in a little bit more in, in depth, but it starts with that local assistance on the ground. We're here to help you. Veterans Business Outreach Center. It's the first thing you need to remember from this interview because those things are crucial. I know I talked to mine in the great state of Maryland, and he really helped me kind of see what I needed to know in order to roll out. Um, It sort of mitigates the risk that a bank would need to take on your loan. And I kind of likened it to the way my VA home loan worked. You know, I was qualified by the VA. And then when I went to buy a home, uh, you know, they could waive some fees. They could they could guarantee this loan because this guy served. And uh, that's kind of interesting to hear how that works through the SBA. Now there's some advantages to being a veteran owned business. 
they can really help vets across the country increase their sales by doing business with the federal government. But government contracts are not just things like building planes or massive construction projects. So let's talk about uh, some of the businesses that would benefit from doing business with the federal government. Yeah, I mean, we buy everything from uh, flowers to ammunition. I mean, you name it, you know, the, we buy it. And so if you think about all the federal agencies, you know, Department of Defense, uh, the Veterans Administration, and of course, the Veterans Administration has a vet first policy that advantages, you know, all veteran businesses. You know, there's uh, there's great opportunity. I met with a veteran-owned small business uh, in Minneapolis that uh, that sells plants and maintains plants in in buildings that are federal uh, federally run. So there are great opportunities for your business uh, at all turns. You know, and I think that you know we you know whether you're making clothing um, or something that's more innovative to help the warfighter, you know, there are great opportunities in federal contracting. And now more than ever, and President Biden has made it a priority priority of his administration to make sure that the federal government uses its, its buying power to help support small businesses, because we know they help deliver against our agency missions, but they're also innovative and flexible and agile. And so we want to make sure that more small businesses get into contracting. And, and especially our veterans, we uh, are, are proud to be taking on and transferring from the Veterans Administration uh, the Certification for Veteran uh, Enterprises. Now it's become SBA's Veteran Small Business Certification Program, uh, and you can basically come to SBA to get certified uh, to do business with the federal government. Mm, That's great. We're going to unpack that in just a second. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the categories. You know, I've walked on dozens of military bases throughout my career, and I live near Washington, D.C., which is full of federal government buildings, no surprise. But I was always amazed at, like, everything the government buys I mean, it covers all areas. Uh, Maintenance, for instance, I was surprised to learn that like they use civilian cleaning companies. They use HVAC companies and plumbers. These could all be veteran-owned businesses. I mean, is it safe to say that if I live anywhere near a military base or a federal government building, that it's quite likely that no matter what my business is, whether it's HVAC, whether it's, you'd said plants, whether it's like even retail and clothing, are these all things that can be easily plugged into the kind of needs the federal government has? Yes, across the board. And, and you know, we have experts at SBA uh, through our district offices, as well as our centers that I mentioned, that can help you connect and re- and search what opportunities actually exist locally with you, whether that's at the local base or, uh, you know, here in D.C. at headquarters across the country. Uh, there are buying actions happening everywhere. Uh, and so, you know, we're working on making sure that there are even more opportunities, uh, small opportunities for businesses to get into, uh, you know, as well as those, you know, larger contract subcontracting opportunities. So anything that you sell, it's worth going to your Veteran Business Outreach Center, the VBOC, uh, and talking to them about contracting opportunities, getting certified and seeing uh, what your business could sell to the federal government. Right on. Let's talk. You'd mentioned a little bit about the certification process um, that it's changed. It's gone from VA to now SBA. So let's say I got a company, I'm selling some widgets here in my suburbs, and I'd like to possibly look at doing some business with my local base or doing business with the federal government offices here. How do I go about getting this certification? 
really what this means is, you know, previously you could get certified to do business with the VA uh, and uh, self-certified across the government. But now we are uh, going to be requiring that everyone gets certified. Everyone has a year uh, to do it. And so there's ample time to be able to get certified in the new system. Uh, but we want to encourage that uh, service-disabled veterans and veterans get certified so that they can participate in programs that we call sole source uh, as well as set-aside programs, meaning basically you get an opportunity as a veteran to present yourself and uh, compete for a contract uh, at, on a set-aside that's reserved just for veteran-owned businesses or for a sole source opportunity where they contract directly with you uh, because there's uh, some unique product or, or an opportunity for you to work directly with the contracting officer. And so these are the circumstances that you know, exist for your business and we wanna make sure that you connect. Uh, and so, uh, you know, as of, um, as of today, uh, businesses can start to get certified. Uh, you know, we're allowing any firms that are currently certified to take a full year to get recertified uh, within the SBA. So there's a, a long grace period. Uh, but at veterans.certify.sba.gov, uh, we have a brand new website, which we're calling the gold standard. It's a you know, new technology that's simple and easy to use and follow through uh, so that you can certify yourself. And again, that certification is in part looking at my business, making sure I have a license, making sure, you know, I'm a, a you know, I'm an LLC in good standing. And then they verify your a DD-214 or, I mean, it's, it's a relatively simple process. Yeah. It's, it's relatively simple. And we've tried to actually streamline it uh, with our you know, regulation that's in the transition from the VA. Uh, so it was more intuitive. Uh, but yes, you provide basic information. It's a simple walkthrough platform uh, that uh, you can upload documents into uh, and validate, uh, you know, that either your service disabled uh, and we verify with the VA directly uh, so that there's a seamless process for you. And we verify that you're an actual business so that you can, uh, you know, get through the certification process. But uh, we've tried to make it as, as easy and intuitive as possible and as well so that it opens you up to opportunities for other certifications. Uh, if you're a woman, uh, there's a reciprocal uh, opportunity to become a woman-owned certified small business as well and take advantage of sole source opportunities around federal government. Uh, you know, same for uh, uh, you know, other disadvantaged and, and socioeconomic firms and, and other programs like HubZone that we validate throughout the SBA. Hmm. And then what's the benefit of this certification? How does it actually play out? Like, let's say a federal government facility is looking for food trucks or they need a heating and air conditioning contractor or a hot dog vendor. Um, is there a list that pops up when the people within the government office want to do something and then they'll go, huh, wow, we need a plumber. Let's go into the plumbers and then do the veterans rank higher on that list? Or how is it that it's a direct benefit for getting access to the government contracts? Mm-hmm. Well, there are you know, agencies will set aside uh, specific contracts for service disabled veterans because across the whole of government, uh, there are those sole source and uh, and uh, uh, set aside programs that are available for veterans. So there's there's that direct opportunity. But in addition, uh, if you're a veteran owned business and you're going after an award, the you know, contracting officer can explore um, a sole source uh, with with veterans. And then VA, of course, there's a, a veterans first opportunity for all veterans. So uh, it's an important certification. It gives you an advantage in the marketplace uh, uh, for those sole source awards. 
but in addition, uh, you know, I think that what's important to know is that with this transition to uh, to the SBA, you, you will be required to get certified if you want to do business with the federal government across all agencies uh, if you're a service-disabled veteran. And so we want to make sure that all our veterans out there are aware and that they start to get certified and that they explore these opportunities. And I mentioned earlier that our districts uh, are the experts in trying to help you access all those contract opportunities. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a complex system to first get started in, but we help you and teach you to try to navigate uh, and figure out what contract awards are coming up in the future, which ones are expiring, so that you can always target and think about when uh, it's, it's the best time to do business with us. And so within our district offices, we have business opportunity specialists who work directly with contractors to try to figure out how they can access awards across all the different agencies. Mm, very cool. Very cool. And I know for the listeners out there, depending on where you live, you know, if you're near, especially military bases, think about all the things that go on there. Um, I was on a local base not too long ago and there's the landscaping crews that are out there doing it. That's not all done by military members. That's done by businesses that have been chosen and, vetted to work on that base. And if you're living near one of those, why not consider going through this process? You could scale revenue instantly just by having the certification. And then the phone rings one day and it's, they're looking for somebody to do the work that you do on their base. So it's an incredible asset. Uh, one other thing I saw last month was the USDOD announced a new joint effort to establish small business investment company, Critical Technologies Initiative, designed to grow investment in critical technologies vital to U.S. national security. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, we're very excited about this. SBA does capital both in the forms of loans, but also investments. And so we partner with investors and we license them as these SBICs, small business investment companies. Uh, and it's a longstanding program that it puts out about $7 billion a year in government and private funding uh, to growth-oriented businesses. Uh, we do a lot in various sectors, but including those critical industries uh, and, uh, you know, those that are uh, developing products and services for the military warfighter. And so as far as um, Department of Defense's investments, we want to make sure that we can support with our investment vehicles, uh, you know, targeted support for companies that are are you know, in national defense. And so uh, this is an exciting new partnership, and it's basically uh, intends on uh, expanding access to capital for those firms uh, that are trying to, to provide you know, innovative products and services and anything uh, that is critical to the mission of the Department of Defense. All right. Now, are there any especially hot categories for 2023 that the government's looking at? Uh, there's quite a bit on the horizon in terms of, you know, construction across infrastructure, uh, but as well, I mean, electricians and those that are going to be a part of the EV infrastructure, the Inflation Reduction Act, and and the um, infrastructure uh, make critical investments in energy, including uh, in EV infrastructure. So electricians around the country are, are, are gearing up to uh, focus and provide this support. So I would say I wouldn't want to uh, miss uh, an opportunity to to make sure that all small businesses are trying to participate in some of these large spins that are happening around the country uh, and that we're encouraging small businesses to connect to locally. But, uh, you know, across the board, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the federal government continues to prioritize you know, health care uh, and you know, critical military um, spending as well. I mean, the, as well as just all the functions and operations across the federal government. 
Mm. My antenna goes up for my brothers and sisters that are electricians out there or, you know, work in that construction capacity. Yeah, that's fascinating to see how that legislation is going to result in EV infrastructure. And let's face it, you want to be able to drive your Tesla from like New York to San Diego. You're going to need some places to plug it in. And uh, that's cool to hear that's on the horizon. Certainly worthy of getting your certification and getting involved and checking out the SBA. Uh, With respect to getting my certification, where do I start? It is still, you know, there's so many great programs and services at the SBA. Uh, and, you know, what's, I once met a, a veteran owned or woman owned small business, uh, out in Denver, Colorado that used every service of the SBA. So I really challenge everybody out there to get to know our website, sba.gov. Um, get to know your local district office, your local VBOC, your veteran business outreach center, uh, so that you can learn about the programs that we have to support you in international trade. You know, we fund businesses through state programs, uh, to attend trade shows abroad. Uh, and so that's really critical as you're growing exports or, uh, you know, we also have small business innovation research grants for those innovative startup companies or technology or science based companies that are trying to create the product or, or service of the future. Very cool. SBA.gov. And of course, get to know your local veteran business outreach center. Uh, boy. There could be there could be dollars to pick up that you didn't even know about, and that is always the thrill of starting your own business. Administrator Isabella Guzman, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy Vet Phil Briggs reporting for ConnectingVets.com. Now our next guest is an Army veteran and accomplished journalist who recently broke a story on ConnectingVets.com about drugs and human trafficking among the U.S. Army's elite special forces. Jack Murphy, former Army Ranger and also a special forces veteran, and for many years, an investigative reporter who's covered stories from war zones to military issues right here at home. Welcome to the show again, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Phil. How are you doing, man? Really good. I've always known you're reporting to really dig deep and to find issues that, you know, some folks maybe don't want to talk about. Maybe some folks haven't been talking about, and that's why it needs to be reported on. This one, I couldn't believe, and I'll just read from the lead here. Panic and fear spread throughout the special operations community at Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina, as Criminal Investigative Division and FBI agents investigated members of 3rd Special Forces Group and Delta Force who are allegedly involved in drug and, in one instance, human trafficking. How did it all begin, and how did you start hearing about this before this actually was in the news? Yeah, it's it's kind of, uh, I guess, an interesting sidebar conversation is, you know, people maybe think that I'm, uh, you know, this uh, muckraking journalist digging for dirt or something like that. Um no, the, w- the way I found out about this story was that military members were posting memes on Instagram about it. Because as this story started to go, you know, public amongst the Fort Bragg community, um, these guys were posting about, you know, third group being drug tested and guys getting questioned by CID, making these like memes that sort of allude to it. And so I just started asking people on on Instagram initially and saying, hey, spill the tea. What's going on? And um, they started talking to me. And when I realized, you know, what was what was happening? Um, you know, I, I was up late that night, you know, emailing and texting, like, you know, uh, probably a couple dozen people trying to get to the bottom of it. Mm. And 
much of it is is public record uh at this point um this started back this moment this you know scandal if you will it, it started back in december when a member of third special forces group was arrested and uh he is being charged with kidnapping human trafficking statutory rape and uh he uh is being held um on 2.8 million dollar bond uh so i i think he might be hanging out in in jail for a little bit yeah and um, before we di- dive a little deeper into this yeah. story let me just get some context about this because we're talking about fort bragg and for those that don't know you know special operations community this is all territory that folks wouldn't suspect nefarious stuff like this going down right i mean these are the pristine these are like kind of the you know the toughest of the tough on the base right like you don't expect this kind of nonsense i i think that's very much like an outsider sort of view right anybody who is stationed on fort bragg would know better um the fort bragg fort bragg area that encompasses fayetteville i mean it has always been you know i mean for lack of a better term like haven of criminality uh it's a place that can take a a in my opinion a innocent you know straightforward young soldier and just corrupt them there's a lot of drugs there's a lot of crime maybe you know people in uh in washington dc or something like this have this sort of view of this sort of uh you know like a movie set where you know all the soldiers on the base uh march in lockstep like they're toy soldiers and yeah they're you know and and i mean you can find all of these good things that soldiers do um you can find on fort bragg there are lots of great soldiers there but there is a dark side there, there is, is a dark side absolutely yeah huh all right well let's zoom into the dark side so as you'd stated um you started seeing on instagram you know the guys were being called back into formation there were mad drug tests going on everybody you know when the co calls everybody to formation or whatever that's pretty rare right is it rare when you see all of the groups having to be assembled at the same time and everybody getting balled out at the same time it's it's very rare in special forces um but before we get there um you know what happened with the the one soldier being arrested in december and and to be perfectly clear and transparent it's it's um I, i don't understand entirely um, whether that soldier talked to law enforcement or if his cell phone was ripped, but there was a sequence of events where law enforcement got access to like chat logs and things like this. And that was what led to last week, the, um, CID stopping all of these people as they came on post about 15 soldiers across different special operations units being questioned. Um, some of them, you know, the, they're, uh, they, they were released and cleared and there there's no further reason to in- involve them in anything. Um, others have been released to their unit. Um, I have seen paperwork that they're going to be charged with um, criminal or I'm sorry, felony use of cocaine. And uh, in one case, tampering with urinalysis tests. So then you get to the weekend and the, the uh, first battalion of third special forces group was recalled. They did a 100% recall. And the entire unit had to submit to a urinalysis test, a drug test. Um, I've been told that the rest of the unit is being recalled this week and they're going through the same process like battalion by battalion. Um, but with a lot of the problems we've been talking about, uh, the, the drugs um, in particular, 
um, is seems to be centered around first battalion of third special forces group. And then from there, it kind of like tentacles go out in, in, in various directions. So one guy gets popped and then weeks later, the whole unit's getting questioned and everybody's being brought to line up. Everybody's got to take a urinalysis and they're uncovering. There's some really, really bad stuff going on behind the scenes. I do. I believe that there have been other soldiers who have been arrested or even people who have come forward um, and offered additional information to law enforcement um, in that interim period. But uh, again, I want to be just clear that I don't entirely understand the sequence of events yeah, sure. We're just going on what we've uncovered so far, sure. right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that you are omitting anything or that we know the whole story. Um, human trafficking, one of the charges. I mean, that sounds to me like some cartel bringing people up from foreign countries and keeping them in hotel rooms against their will and in a nation they don't speak the language and they're being forced to work in the sex trade. I do not see this happening in the cute, quaint little town of Southern Pines, North Carolina, I, it was just down there for Christmas. Looks like the something from the set of a Hallmark movie. How does this go on, and 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 what does this look like? Let, let me speak, like uh, you know, academically, I suppose, or, or theoretically about you know about, or about the a real issue of, of human trafficking, and we really need to change our perceptions about human trafficking and how it works because, like you mentioned. Um, there's a perception that it involves um, that it involves foreigners that um, that women are being trafficked across the border to the United States for prostitution. The reality of human trafficking is that 98 or 99 percent of it is domestic, meaning it's Americans trafficking Americans. This happens in our communities. It happens um, to you know poor children, um, people who are in poverty. They're more vulnerable to it. However, people who are from quote unquote good families. What affluent families, um, it happens to their children as well. And a lot of times it's just because uh, a, a girl with, you know, a little bit of low self-esteem, just like a, a normal teenager, falls for a line of bullshit from some pimp. Most trafficking is happening from people who know the person. It's happening inside families. It's it's parents and aunts and uncles. That's the re- That's the reality of human trafficking. And so I don't want to speak to this specific case and, and say things that I don't know for a fact um, about how it, how this ha- transpired or worked. Um, but I, I mean, we definitely need to change our perceptions of it. And there are a lot of public reports that Fayetteville, North Carolina, right next to Fort Bragg, is a major hub for human trafficking. You'd mentioned in the story, one of them moonlighted as a bouncer at a bar in Southern Pines. Is this kind of like a seedy underside that like we don't want to admit that is going on in the state of North Carolina? But if you go to these bars off base that you will find guys that are hooking up with girls and there's really more than meets the eye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's absolutely a seedy underbelly uh, in, in Fort Bragg and, and Fayetteville and, and that area. The military and commanders, they, they really don't like this stuff to go public. They try to clamp down on it um, as much as they can because it just looks so bad. But you could argue that's what allows these problems to fester and they grow worse and worse and worse until you know we get to the point where we are right now. So tragic to think about it, too. I mean, because I recall from my days, <clears throat> U.S. Navy, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, you know, we went to the bars and it was just that we went to the bars. I mean, we we're all, you know, obviously young sailors looking, you know, to hang out and have a good time and 
maybe meet a gal, but I, I, I would have never imagined that there was a coordinated effort of some guy organizing dates going on yeah, in, you know, it's, it's in not the a, bar space. It, it's not always visible. Um, it's not, uh, more often than not, it's not, you know, the, the vision we have in our mind about trafficking, like a girl chained to a bed somewhere is it, just not the reality of trafficking. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, what I was, I was saying about, uh, a Romeo pimp is the type of pimp that, you know, uh, convinces a girl again, it's usually a woman who has low self-esteem comes from a, a, a terrible background, you know, not a strong family, social connections and convinces the girl that he loves her. And, you know, hey, and, and then from there, it turns into, hey, baby, you'll make me $500. Go get mm-hmm. me $500. You know, if you love me, you'll do this. You know, go get me $500. I'll, I'll take you out, get your hair done, get your nails done, you know, that kind of thing. And so it becomes this really messed up um, situation. And, you know, the other thing about trafficking that a lot of people don't understand, and, you know, I've spoken to law enforcement officers who work in this field, uh, countering it is the victims often don't cooperate with police because they don't see themselves as victims. Let's talk a little bit about the drugs. It was not surprising to me to know over the course of G Watt that, you know, maybe there's some roids going on, guys oh, yeah. doing what they can take to get a competitive strength edge. It was not surprising at all that you and I had even talked about uh, years ago some of the stimulants that they'll take to stay up for a long period of time or to be able to, you know, really, really have high level of performance on mission. But these were street drugs that blew my mind. Share with me a little bit about the drugs you uncovered. Uh, well, officially, you know, there, there are guys being looked at for, like I said, felony use of cocaine. Um, but I, I've also been told that there are other drugs in this sort of network that were being trafficked around group, uh, range from fentanyl, fentanyl lollipops, um, yeah, cocaine, ecstasy, and, uh, roofies, you know, the, the so-called date rape drug, um, also getting passed around. And, and, you know, the, the article I wrote, and it, it mentions a, uh, special forces, bar uh in southern pines where a lot of sf guys hang out and um you know i've been told the the owner of the of the bar is a really good guy nobody you know seems to have a bad thing to say about him but i can say like i've talked to just in the last couple days probably six people who got roofied in that bar and uh, actually quite a few of them were guys um maybe maybe like almost maybe half of them were, were men and uh you know, they, they are like, they're like, ah, they were probably not trying to roofie my drink. There's probably some girl and I got the, I got the wrong drink, but I don't know if there's enough guys, it makes you wonder what's really going on in there. They're like, they're just roofing people and maybe trying to rob them or, are their girls getting raped or, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't speculate, but um, I can tell you that I have talked to quite a few people who have been roofied in that bar. And I mean, obviously we know that one of the suspects, the guy who no drug charges on him, but human trafficking. And um, he is wrapped up, however, with these guys from 1st Battalion who uh, who are involved uh, in the drugs. It doesn't take a huge leap of the imagination to connect some of the dots there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, cocaine, maybe not a huge surprise. Um, the one I really the one that really jumped out off the page at me, though, was a kind of lollipop. Talk to me about that. 
Yeah, so uh, a fentanyl lollipop is, uh, it, it literally is a lollipop with fentanyl in it. And it's something that uh, medics, you know, will give to a casualty. Um, so like the, I'm saying the military has these in the inventory and they'll give it to a casualty and it kind of like it, it mellows you out. You know, if you're, you're hurt, you're really distraught. Because I mean, fentanyl is a, uh, geez, I, 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 apologies, guys. I don't know drugs. Um, I believe it's an opiate based drug. Yeah. Um, and, and so it calms people down, you know, relaxes them, um, after they've been injured. And those are, it is a controlled substance that has to be, you know, like tightly controlled and monitored within the military and by the medics. Um, I guess there's some allegations out there that fentanyl lollipops were, you know, leaking out of the med locker and, uh, and being distributed kind of an age old problem in the military that you get a medic who, you know, he starts taking his own supply and then he starts selling it to other guys. Um, it's, it's like a known phenomena in the military, you know? And, um, I don't know if that's, um, what happened in this case. I mean, I know that, you know, a major was questioned who would have access to some of that kind of stuff, but he, he was released no further questions for him. He's been cleared more remains to be found out what, uh, what was really going on there. Let's talk about the why maybe behind all this. Mm -hmm. And I found it very telling. Um, You got a quote from, I believe it's a special forces soldier, not named, of course, protecting your source there. But uh, it said, this is what happens when there's no war in an 18 month red cycle with no mission. You got dudes messing around with young kids and the craziest of drugs. All these lives ruined because people are just bored. One, how'd you find the soldier to share that with you? And two, kind of expand a little bit on what he means. Yeah, you know, I, I have uh, quite a few sources in the Fort Bragg area. Um, this was one guy's, you know, off the cuff sort of uh, perception of what's going on. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's commenting on a couple of things there. But I mean, you have a lot of alpha male type dudes uh, who have been fighting war for a very long time. And now there's no war. And uh, I think a lot of these soldiers are trying to several things. I mean, as far as the workplace, they're trying to adjust to, you know, whatever their new mission is trying. I talk to guys who tell me they're trying to figure out what their mission is, what their purpose is uh, now that this war is more or less concluded for them. Uh, But also trying to address that void in their life that there's they served for whatever it was, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, in the global war on terror. And it's like, well, what was that? What does it mean? Um, and no one's really sure. And now I don't, I don't say any of this as an excuse for, you know, bad behavior or illegal conduct. However, I think it does speak to, you know, a, a larger uh, cultural issue in the force. And then, you know, guys, you know, get PTSD, they get TBIs, uh, maybe some self-medicate with, you know, alcohol and then illegal substances. And, you know, we can have some empathy for that. Of course, you know, the guys, it's a terrible thing. And, you know, you hope those guys get help and they can go to, you know, rehab and everything and come back to work. But the scale and the scope and and, and the specific crimes that are committed or, or alleged to have been committed in this particular case kind of cross some lines, some red lines, right? Well, then that right there speaks to kind of what I wanted to know about. Like, you think culturally we've got this unintended consequence of we've trained these guys. We have more Rangers and more special forces and more operators than we've ever had in the military. They, they've done incredible things over the last two decades. What do you do 
with a door kicker when there's no doors to kick in. Right, right. The 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 unintended consequence is, you know, that we have a whole generation of young men who are addicted to war. Um, you know, they're addicted to, you know, maybe more specifically that like adrenaline spike that you get. You know, you're riding that high. You want to go and you want to slay the dragon, right? And yeah, now now they're you know coming home and trying to grapple with all of that. And I, I mean, it's a very it's very difficult, I think, to find the balance. You know, the cultural balance of managing these kind of like high strong high performing dudes while also maintaining the discipline you know in, in the ranks and um that's something that we haven't gotten quite right and you know if you have a leader or a leadership or a succession of leaders who kind of turn a blind eye to some of the bad things that are going on under their watch they tend to get worse and worse because you know the message that's sent to the force is i can do what i want i'm above the law i'm invincible no one's going to touch us Mm. And you've already got a little bit of, uh, a, you know, a little bit of air about you that makes you feel a little bulletproof when you oh, are yeah. a ranger, when you are special forces, you feel you've accomplished things. Most men can't scuba dive underwater, parachute out of airplanes. You know, they can do they can speak foreign languages. They can do all kinds of like interesting, crazy things that, you know, that their country has asked them to do. Um, so, again, it doesn't absolve anyone of their personal responsibility. Um, they committed crimes, but they also have to have their left and right limits, right? Yeah. Now, we'll leave it right there, but you can read Jack Murphy's full article, Fear Grips Special Operations Amid Investigation, on ConnectingVets.com. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and I'll talk to you again next week on CBS Eye on Veterans. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.